a shaft, you're essentially making its area where it can flex shorter. So the amount it's gonna kick is gonna be a little less. So theoretically, a shorter shaft may deliver less spin as well. This is the Fitting Room Podcast. Here's your host, Nate Adelman. It's all about you today on the Fitting Room Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Adelman, alongside Fitting Room regular, Yo D. Nevs, Dave Neville. Hello. Good to be with you. And Steven Serino, the slinger. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, guys. Uh, if Steven's here, it means, well, you're actually just on the po- Irons podcast, but typically you're all you're a staple of the mailbag episodes. Well, thank you. Appreciate uh, you having me here. Mailbags. Today is uh, we're draining the mailbag. We've had a lot of questions come in about a lot of the new products this year. Our last like five or six podcasts have all been about new products. Make sure you check those out if you're in the market to buy any new equipment. But we figured now would be a great time to dive into some of the questions we might have missed in some of those podcasts that have come in through the Callaway community. Um, As a reminder, you can always get your fitting and equipment questions answered on the Callaway community. CallawayGolf.com slash community. Head over to the fitting corner um, and your questions will be answered. The best questions get pulled out here on the podcast and also on the live show that we do on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio every Monday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And in order, I mean, Dave, we're, you, you have to be here because all the new products, um, you're the guy when it comes to all the intel on that. But part of what is important in the mailbag episode is you don't know what's coming. And Stephen, that is definitely why you're here because you're so versatile with your fitting knowledge uh we're gonna try to bring the heat here today um utility fielder so to speak (laughs) yes he's our utility guy um dave is our starter on all categories (laughs) so uh all right well let's not waste any time let's get right into it number one is a maverick question and this question comes from duff putter um all right maverick sub-zero with the weight back versus maverick standard we're talking about drivers here. Uh, he is curious to know if anyone has found any differences in spin and forgiveness in the Maverick Sub-Zero with the weight, heavyweight in the back versus the standard Maverick, which only has one weight port, and that weight is also in the back. So uh, both, both setups, the heavyweight is in the back. One is the Sub-Zero shape. One is the standard shape. Gentlemen, what say you? This is a uh, this is a good one. This yeah. is this one this one is deep. So the Sub Zero Maverick Sub Zero has two weights, and they're two grams and fourteen grams. And what Duff Putter is asking about is the Sub Zero with the fourteen grammer in the back versus Maverick Standard, which has one weight, which is five grams um, in the in the back. Generally, the Maverick Sub-Zero is a lower spin option, typically for your your better player. This year's Sub-Zero is also a little bit smaller, so it's 450cc versus 460cc. So in terms of, of spin... Um, it's of course player dependent and how, how you, how you swing it. But in terms of the, the heads themselves, the sub zero is still going to be a little bit lower spin, um, with that weight in the back. If you move it to the forward, it's going to be even lower spin two to 300 RPM less there. And in terms of the, the forgiveness, um, it's interesting because what we've been talking about with the Maverick standard is this idea, Nate, of unconventional forgiveness do you know what that's all about i've heard it on the fitting room podcast uh from uh probably about six weeks ago uh featuring dave neville talking (laughs) about maverick driver 
Yeah, so what it is is um, there's a forward CG for the, the Maverick driver, really different from what we've done in the past, and that's primarily because of what we've been able to do with the face, making the face so robust from both a speed and spin rate uh, robustness standpoint. So we're able to have a very, very tight ellipse downrange. So that's what people look at when they look at forgiveness. They're looking at it on a track man. They're looking at the ellipse in a shape that is unusual, something we've never used before, the cyclone uh, arrow shape. So in terms of forgiveness versus the Sub-Zero, the standard is actually going to be more forgiving downrange than the Sub-Zero, even with the weight in the back. Mm -hmm. So this was something that uh, when Epic Flash first came out and I was trying it for the first time, I remember feeling like the, the, the face, well, the club was really stable, and I remember asking Evan Gibbs, the uh, uh, director of R&D for Metal Woods, like, hey, the face feels heavier almost. And he's like, you're right. That's why it was unconventional in the sense that everyone's trying to make faces thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. Having a little more weight in the face that's still hot actually gives you the ability to be really robust from spin and a speed standpoint. Yeah, so the face... It was a little bit thicker because of what we were doing with the undulations um, on the flash face with Epic Flash. We have that in Maverick as well, but we have an all-new material, which is FS2S titanium. So we got a, a, between four and six grams of weight out of the face, and that's able to be repositioned to uh, increase the, the forgiveness of the drivers. So uh, even though the Sub-Zero with the weight back is 14 grams versus five grams, uh, the standard is still going to be the more playable and the more forgiving head of the two. That is correct. Yes. Cool. Great question there. Um, all right. Uh, now that we're warmed up, we're going to get into a pretty technical question. I love this question because it really touches on so many different dynamics of tinkering, which is that is your, your area of expertise close to my heart. So this question comes from David PC four, seven, eight, and uh, the topic is shaft trimming and head weight. So, um, here, here it goes. He says, I purchased a Maverick Standard 10.5 with a 60-gram 6.0 uh, Project X smoke shaft at the stock 44.5-inch length. I'm considering trimming it a half inch to gain some control, so down to 45 inches. The current swing weight is D2, but I prefer to get D3. I know that if I add weight after I trim, um, probably in the order of, uh, or I, I know that I need to add weight after I trim it. My concern is whether increasing uh, the current weight in the driver head from 5 grams, as we just mentioned, up to 9 grams, um, could increase spin. Uh, I was around 2,500. I don't want to go higher than that. Uh, what else should I consider to add weight to not increase the spin? Okay, there was a lot there. Wow. David I want to that was a long question. He I want to break is, this. He knows his clubs. He yeah. knows his clubs. Yeah. He understands. Of all the tinkering, changing length has the most, uh, I'll call them externalities, things mm -hmm. that you may or may not be expecting. And it's That's something. That's a big word, Nate. Well done, <laughs> Thank you. Okay. It's something that uh, typically, uh, you know, changing a lie angle, you can kind of do that in isolation. Changing a loft, you might change the sole interaction, the bounce a little mm -hmm. bit, but you're not messing with swing weights, length, anything like length that. Length is. Changing length is a lot of things happen. So here's what he's saying. He's saying he wants to go shorter, which is going to lower the swing weight. It's already at D2. 
if he goes down to 45 and a half, it's probably going to be around to a, 45. You mean, sorry, 45. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be around a C nine D zero. He needs to get back up to D three, which means adding about six or so grams. Um, and if you add that into the back end of the driver head, uh, that will, that, that will increase spin by too much. So Steven, so let's lead off with this. Um, we know that through testing and, and, and through fitting is that the greatest change that you're going to see in spin will be based on a change in loft. So for typically every one degree, it's roughly 500 cycles. So with that said, um, Nate, I think you might want to uh, touch on this as well. But uh, going from five grams to nine grams, it will benefit more from a swing weight perspective, but it should have little effect on the spin. Yeah, it might affect the spin, but if he's planted at 10.5 and the spin gets too high, boom, 9.5. Yeah, correct. And you're done. Yep. Um, so, uh, but at the same time, when you shorten a shaft, you're essentially making its area where it can flex shorter. So the amount it's going to kick is going to be a little less. So theoretically, a shorter shaft may deliver less spin as well. Depending so, on where you trim it also. Right. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so by making it shorter... Um, you may be bringing the spin down a little bit anyway. So if there was some more spin that came because of a heavier weight in the back, it's probably negated. Um, it's tough to tell without knowing, obviously seeing it on launch monitor, his attack angle and path matters for this as well. Yeah, the feel aspect is definitely there and how it works with, with, with the given swing like you had mentioned. So there's that variable. To me, having the swing weight feel proper going from a C9 to the D3 that he wants is way more critical for consistency of delivering the face, the the center of the the ball to the center of the club face, than having maybe you know a hundred RPM spin difference that you could adjust with loft. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, but cool, I love that David is thinking about all of those variables because if you're thinking about changing length, you're doing yourself a disservice to not be thinking about swing weight, sp- uh, effects on spin. Etc. He must have been a guy who listened to the tinkering episode or, or tinkering 401. <laughs> the series. The, the whole series, series yeah. last year. Yeah, no, uh, great question there. All right, moving along. Um, we're going to move on to wedge questions with Jaws. Um, so That's in my wheelhouse. This is your wheelhouse. So uh, here, here it goes. Uh, this question comes from Zappa, and he says it's a question about MD5 Jaws loft versus wall angle in the grooves. Can somebody give me the correct answer regarding the difference in grooves in the different lofts? Are the new Jaws groove only in the 54 and above, or have the lower lofts uh, have the same grooves or the same grooves as MD4? Or can I expect more spin in the lower (laughs) lofts compared to MD4? So break it down, the loft I guess the wall angles of the grooves of MD4 versus MD5 jaws. I brought a little show and tell for those people who oh, are watching this uh, on YouTube. Is a good reminder. Good reminder, right? All, uh, all fitting room podcasts can be watched on YouTube at the Callaway Golf Channel or CallawayGolf.com/podcast if you want to see Dave's props. But we will also do a good job of trying to describe it. So what I'm holding here is a cross section of the jaws groove um, and. This is the one, um, based on the question that Zappa asked, this is the one that is in the sand wedge and above. This is the 54. Is that showing? All right. Yep, Thank you, Trevor. Great job there. Um, this is in the 54 
and end up. This is the the jaws groove. And the reason why um, we we use that this has a very very sharp uh, edge radius. So it's not just the wall angle, but it's also the edge radius, and that's really what helps to grab the ball uh, as it rolls up the face. So um, that is the the jaws groove. In the 52 and below, we're using a 20 degree wall angle uh, groove. They still have the grooving groove, which is the micro positives that are between each groove. But 52 and below, we use the 20 degree. And that is because you use primarily gap wedges and pitching wedges for full shots and you spin them a lot anyway. Mm. If we put this 37 degree wall angle into the lower lofts, they would rip off of the green. They would, uh, they would really spin too much. So, Stephen, question for you. Would mm-hmm. you rather hit a ball that bounces twice, rolls out to the flag, or goes pin high and rips off the front? I'd like uh, 30 feet of backspin <laughs> off of concrete, preferably. Of, uh, so Zappa's concern, if I'm reading between the lines here, seems like he wants as much spin as possible. Um, I want to share a recent study I was involved in, which was um, full swing spin of 60 versus 56 versus 52, I believe it was, or gap wedge, sand wedge, lob wedge. Do you have a guess which had the most backspin between the four wedges, pitching wedge, gap wedge, sand wedge, lob wedge? I would go with gap wedge. Steven? I was going to say your sand wedge. Um, the answer was the gap wedge consistently like ding, the ding, ding, 50 ding, ding. to the 52 wow. because it was the right amount where you had enough loft, but it wasn't so much loft that the ball would slide on the face. Right. Mm. So the grooves gripped the most on the gap wedge loft. Um, that was consistent across on most full shots. on full shots. Yes. On full shots. So um, that would be different if you went to the partial shot or the shot around the green. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Definitely true there. But um, then I guess the point is is that you, if you had the same groove in your gap wedge as you did in your lob wedge, you would actually have an issue with not being able to control, control. the ball. Yeah, right? too much. So time. don't worry, Zappa. We got the right grooves in the right lofts um, for you, and in the lower lofts, it does match the MD4. Okay, moving down the line here, we have a question that comes from Tony Hall, triple O one. Um, and this is about putter MOI, so keeping you guys on your toes here. So some high, some mallet high MOI putters now have toe hang, and some have a great deal of toe hang. By definition, doesn't increased toe hang negatively impact MOI? Question mark. Uh, by not having high amount of mass in the heel relative to the toe. So let's break that down. I guess let's first play factor fiction on. Um, his question here about does toe hang affect MOI? I would say that's that's fiction. Steven? I would agree with that. We're talking about the mass of the head. I also agree that is fiction. Mm. Now, MOI, zero. MOI, MOI, and Forgiveness. let's say stability yeah, are, different. are different things. Right. And so right. um, typically, like when we think about putters with a lot of toe hang, traditionally that's been a blade. And a blade that has, uh, you know, 70 degrees of toe hang is going to be a lot more, or it's going to be a lot less stable than a face balance putter. But in this case, um, he's talking uh, about mallets, right? So what, high M- high MOI mallets versus a face balance one versus one that has some toe hang. How, what are we talking about? Let's say let's shift the question to stability or forgiveness. What are we talking there? 
Yeah, so the the one uh, that's going to be face balance is going to have more stability, therefore more more forgiveness, probably. I mean, it still depends on your 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 stroke and and how you how you roll it. But. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, you got to look kind of to me. You have to look at it in two parts: the head itself uh, and its mass properties and its moment of inertia. But then you also take into account again the hang, like you had mentioned, Nate, and it, you know how it works for that player's stroke. So yes. Um, you know, something with like a, an S neck or a slant neck will tend to open and close more. Uh, but if you get, uh, let's say, a face balance putter, it will be more square. But it's all dependent on the player's stroke. So I have an analogy for you guys. This has not been tested before. So you guys tell me if this analogy <laughs> makes sense. Let's think about a pen. Okay. Yeah. A ballpoint pen, I would equate to like a face balance putter. It The ink doesn't flow quite as fast as like an ink and like an ink gel pen. You know, like where some pens, the ink flows really quickly and it's, you know, it like, writes itself. Yeah. And they're really smooth and fast. Other pens, you got to, you know, push a little harder and work it in a little more. Okay. It's okay. kind of the similar, like they're both might be the same, you know, diameter tip or whatever, but uh, one of them just, it, some suits certain writing styles different than others. That's kind of the way one's not better than the other. It's just finding the one that matches with your style better. There you go. Stop. All right. <laughs> All right. How did I do there? Okay. That's pretty good. All right. Yeah, that was pretty good. All right, cool. Uh, next up, uh, OptiFit Hosel for lefties. This question comes from Fonzie73. Hey. Hey, hey oh. Uh, does the OptiFit Hosel stay the same for right-handed and left-handed golfers? So it is not the same. Not the uh, same. Matter of fact, same. it's a direct uh, inverse of one another. So uh, we do have some materials available, and we can certainly uh, get that out there. Um, but the the change for example if you were to put a right-handed cog into a uh a right-handed shaft into a left-handed head again everything would be reversed so negative two would be um plus one and so on and so forth from that regard the d would be for actually, the loft well yeah but even on the the neutral and the so the lie angle is the same well right the lie angle which is just moving it upright the draw or, or that part neutral is the same but the loft is reverse it's flipped 180 degrees correct so if you buy a left-handed club it will come with a left-handed hosel mm -hmm. optifit hosel if you have a uh, shaft that you got from a right-handed friend that you're putting in the left-handed hosel whatever the one is the loft reading just look to the 180 degrees to where the line lines up to get what it actually is Yep, and the left-handed hosels are marked, I believe, yes. differently with the yes. little dot. There's a dot on some. There's also, um, depending on the generation, the letters will be outlined instead of filled in. Mm -hmm. that's, oh, that's an that older one, one I didn't. That's yeah. an older one. Yeah, I didn't know about that. But the newer ones have um, uh, dots or lines. All right. Um, good question there uh, about the OptiPit. That one comes up a lot, and uh, I guess. Lefties can rest assured that any OptiFit hosel they find can deliver the settings that they want. Okay, I think we've got time for one more question here. Um, so this question comes from R.L. Fooney. Um, he says, I currently play the Rogue Draw 10.5 bumped up to 12 degrees in the draw setting. So that would be plus 2 and D on the hosel. Um, at 44 inches in length, so an inch and a half short. I'm looking to upgrade to either Epic Flash or Maverick or Maverick Max. The Rogue has kept me in the fairway for the most part. I'm looking for the same um, control, but plus more distance, but at the same length. 
which driver would give me the most amount of draw bias to help contain my fade? I think distance would be about the same between the Flash and the Mavericks. So he thinks. That was, <laughs> I guess, uh, his opinion. But let's let you guys diagnose this that one's one. easy. You want to take it, Slinger, or you want me to do it? Maverick Max. The Max. The Max. In the draw setting. So you want to have that 12 grammar in the draw. You want to have the hosel on the draw setting as well. So it's going to have as much draw bias as the Rogue, but you do have the flash face, the SS20. You do have the AI face. The face is going to be faster. It's going to be more robust, and that is a very, very stable head with the uh, with the Max. Yeah, I mean, talk about apples to apples comparison there when you look at kind of chassis types uh, and, and configurations or how it sets up. I mean, again, Rogue draws is... is in terms of shape and what it does is is basically like Maverick Max, but again, it does not have the AI technology, that spin robustness, that speed robustness uh, that can be delivered because of again AI and what we're able to do with the Flash Face SS20. I agree with you all, and maybe even with Maverick Max and how forgiving and hot it is, he could even go a little longer in length and not lose control. Wow, yeah, that's interesting. That um, might give him some speed. I would also, yeah, exactly. Um, Excellent. Well, boys, I think we did it. And a testament to both of you being part of the first, our 2020 product line introduction podcast, that these were the questions that we had. These are all really good questions. Really good questions. It seems like the you, mailbag. you guys answered all the big stuff on the regular episode. So if you haven't listened to those, go back. I believe the first one launched uh, right around the first or second week of January. Um, and you can listen to all of those uh, up till now on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, CallawayGolf.com slash podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can surely find us. Um, if you've not subscribed, please do. It helps us get more funding so we can afford having Dave on the show. Uh, and, um, of course. we got to look at my salary for the show. <laughs> of course, don't forget, every Monday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, the fitting room goes live on Sirius XM PJ Tour Radio where you can ask us your questions live on the air and we'll break them down. So um, you're really testing our ability to you know, know our stuff versus you know having spent weeks of prep time researching this stuff before episodes. You can put us right on the spot. Um, lastly, don't forget to listen to the other wonderful podcasts in the Callaway Podcast Network, the Ship Show, Girls and Golf Podcast, Putter Podcast, and also the various selector tools on CallawayGolf.com. It's a great place to start your fitting journey. Uh, this episode of The Fitting Room was produced by Tyler Sheehan and Trevor Miglarino. We'll be back next week with more from The Fitting Room.